everyone. Welcome to my podcast, So You Want to Get Sober. My name's Mel. I'm your host, and I'm also an alcoholic. So this is season one, episode one, and I have a, a very special guest with me today who's going to share her experience and what her life looks like now, experience while she's in addiction, how she got out of her addiction, and how beautifully her life has unfolded. So her name is Sam. Um, Sam and I met one night at Shake Shack after a meeting, an AA meeting, and I was just a total wreck. I was like, when does it get better? <laughs> just crying into my burger. <laughs> and uh, Sam just sat down and just kind of explained her story. And I was just like, all right, if this can work for this lady, I'm, I'm sure maybe, maybe it'll work for me. So she gave me lots of hope. And um, yeah, Sam, if you want to just tell everyone a little bit about yourself and your story, and we'll, we'll go from there. Great. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited, especially to be your first guest. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but <laughs> we'll get started. Um, a little bit of background on myself. I am a 37-year-old female. Um, I'm married. I have two kids. I am half Peruvian and half Irish. So gasoline meets fire (laughs) for this disease. disease. (laughs) Basically, I'm a raging alcoholic in cocaine. Simpler terms for those who don't know. (laughs) So what do you want to know? Yeah, I mean, just kind of tell us tell us a little bit about what your life looked like leading up to your addiction and the story about how you got sober. Easy, easy. Yeah, I uh, grew up, my, um, I, my mom was an addict um, and she's also an alcohol or a psychologist that specializes in drug and alcoholism. Uh, and which there's some irony there. And my father is an alcoholic and addict as well. My childhood was, I would say on the fucked up side, a lot of abuse. I was never a happy kid. Like the best way that I can describe my childhood is I just was never happy. I felt like the character in Charlie Brown that always had that gray cloud raining on top of him. That was me. Um, And I was always scared. I was always worried. um, And I was always in fear, right? Uh, So for me, I think, I think for me, I I definitely had the gene. Everyone in my family is an alcoholic or an addict. You look at like both sides. It's like runs very, very deep. So the fact that I became one, not a shocker at all. I guess how I, how I came into you know, playing with drugs and alcohol. Um, when I was 13 years old, I had thrown out my back. At that point, uh, we didn't know that I was missing a couple of my lower vertebrae. Went to the doctor and he prescribed me Vicodin and muscle relaxers. And I remember laying on my couch downstairs and in our basement and I had taken a Vicodin and I had taken a muscle relaxer. And I remember being in a lot of pain. And then like 20 minutes later, I felt this like amazing warm glow come over my body. And I remember it was the first time in my life I felt happiness or what I thought was happiness. And I, it was instant addict thinking. Oh my God, was it instant addict thinking? The first that I had was 
where the fuck has this shit been my whole life, my whole 13 years on this planet? (laughs) And I can handle physical pain. I need to save this for when I really need it. And what I meant by that was the mental anguish and pain that I, I was dealing with even at, at that young age. Um, I became a doctor hopper. I played a lot of sports. Now that I knew that these things existed, um, I was always quote unquote hurt, right? I knew what to say. At that point in time, there wasn't like this huge kind of opioid epidemic, right? Like at that point, you know, it was kind of like crack and all that stuff going on. Um, so there wasn't like kind of the hyper awareness that we have today. Um, and then I got to high school and I didn't need doctors anymore because, you know, I could just get alcohol and drugs and, and that was my thing. Um, fast forward, um, you know, kind of my high school years, I, I never felt like I fit in. I never felt like I was good enough. I never felt like I was cool. But if you ask everyone else, I was like the coolest kid at school but I never felt that way. I threw all the parties and the kegs and, you know, I just never didn't matter what it was. I just had this insane insecurity about myself. Um, and I was a bitch. I had like a very hard shell around myself and I didn't let anyone in and I didn't trust anyone. I was a horrible student. Um, I think one of the important things that I learned later on in life was because I'm super smart, um, you know, I, I, I didn't go to college and, you know, after I ended up getting sober, I, I, I did something with my life, but I just could not get it together when it came to school at all, even though I was very, very intelligent. Um, and I'm not saying that in an egotistical way. I'm just saying, because some of you might be out there <laughs> thinking like that it could relate to this. Of, I was super smart, but I was so concerned with being cool and trying to fit in that that consumed everything for me. And what I learned was for me, it was kind of this, since I didn't have this foundation at home and I didn't have this family and we look at like how we are, you know, kind of as a society being part of something and fitting in and having like that, that family um, is really, really important. And since I didn't have that, I spent all that time, trying to fit in. And I couldn't understand why I just couldn't study and figure it out. Um, and it's really because I was trying to be, I was trying to meet one of my foundational needs of fitting into society and being part of something and feeling safe. Um, so I feel like that's really important to mention because I, I, for years I, I was like, why can't I focus? Why can't I do this? I'm so good at things and I'm so smart, but why can I not do this school thing? And in reality, it didn't have anything to do with like my capabilities or intelligence. I was, I was trying to survive. And I look at like now, um, you know, because after high school, I really turned into a, a hardcore, you know, cocaine addict, pill popper and, um, alcoholic. And I did a lot of fucked up shit, you know, I guess it's the, the easiest way to put it. And I think for me, I, I have no shame in that today. I, when I first came into the program, I didn't want anyone to know anything that I did. I didn't want anyone to know any of my stories and I couldn't understand how people were like laughing at all this stuff, right. That they had done. And for me now I get it right. Because that wasn't me. 
that was me in survival mode trying to survive. No one had ever given me tools. You know, my parents taught me how to lie, cheat, and steal, right? Like they taught me how to manipulate uh, to get what I wanted. And that's all I knew. And that was the, the life that I knew. So fast forward, um, I, uh, to, to getting sober, <laughs> so we don't take up too much time. I uh, was an everyday, you know, cocaine user, pill popper, alcoholic, couldn't function without it, uh, barely ate. Somehow my body survived off that rock star in cigarettes. Do people drink rock star anymore? I don't even know, but <laughs> that's what I drink. <laughs> um, I only drank vodka. I didn't drink anything else. Um, I had planned a trip to Mexico with a bunch of friends. We... I had planned the trip like six months prior and I didn't even hang out with them anymore because my partying had escalated so much and they weren't, you know, big drug users. Um, and so we went to Mexico cause we had paid for the trip and they were all highly concerned with my behavior. Um, you know, I was like real thin, I didn't eat and I just drank, you know, uh, like I always drank, which was just pint glasses of straight vodka I didn't like ice in my drinks because I didn't want anything to dilute my drinks, right? I didn't drink for the taste. I drank 100% for the effect. Um, I think for a long time I was, I always knew that I was an alcoholic, um, but I also had this like kind of, in an addict, I also had this like trying to prove to myself that I wasn't, right? Even though I I 100% knew. So some of the things I did was I would go to the gym twice a day because I'm like, if I really wasn't an addict, I wouldn't go to the gym twice a day, but I was like high on cocaine, right? Like I was never a sloppy drunk. I was always a hundred percent in control, going out, wearing high heels, never tripped, never fell, never acted like, you know, just like an idiot in any way. Um, I, you know, would, you know, read the self-help books and like, you know, do all these things. I was going to therapy twice a week, which was like costing me a ton of money. And my therapist was like, are you sure you don't have a problem? I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about because she wanted, she kept pointing at the drugs and alcohol, which I'm sure she could like, like smell seeping out of my pores. Right. And I'm like, I don't drink, you know, I have like one drink like every night or something. Right. Which is like, complete load of shit. Um, but I wasn't willing to look at that. Anything was the problem, you know, that anything could be the problem minus the alcohol and the drugs, because that's the only solution I had to this like huge gaping dark hole. Um, I woke up crying every single day, wishing that I wouldn't wake up. I went to bed every night super high. And so I didn't want to be high anymore. I didn't want to be awake and I didn't want to live. So I'd make these concoctions of like NyQuil and Theraflu and a handful of sleeping pills and Vicodin and Valium and Benadryl and anything that I could get to like make it so that I wouldn't, wouldn't dream, right. Just go to sleep and, and wouldn't dream. And, um, you know, I, I just didn't have the balls to kill myself. So I, Come back, I come back from Mexico, our flight's delayed. I go into this, uh, one of the gift shops 
there's this rosary bracelet. I'm like, dope. I'm going to put that, buy that rosary bracelet. I'm going to put it on. I'm going to get sober when I get back because I had tried a million times and, you know, it never worked. Um, I was so nervous to come back because I had made this promise to my friends and myself, which I'd never made it to other people, um, that I was going to get sober, that I was so nervous that I was like throwing up in the bathroom because I knew, I think deep down inside that it just wasn't possible. Um, I got back from Mexico and didn't even make it 24 hours. I went out with a bunch of my friends. It was a um, Thursday afternoon, happy hour. And I had all my whole young life, because I got sober when I was 24, um, I was raised kind of like by MTV. It sounds really weird, but I thought my problem was I was poor. And if I could just make a bunch of money and if I could just get a bunch of stuff, I would have the happiness that everyone else had. And uh, when I was 24 years old, um, I had a company. I had purchased my um, house. I had my dream car, all these amazing things. And I was at happy hour with my friends and we were partying. And it was a beautiful, sunny day in Seattle. And we're all outside in the patio drinking. It's great. And I remember thinking like, oh my God, this is the moment. This is like what I've been waiting for. Like I have everything that I've worked for because I busted my ass, even though I was an alcoholic and addict functioning, quote unquote, um, I'm going to feel happy for the first time right? Like I had my Chanel sunglasses on. I had my Jimmy Choo shoes. I had, you know, my Louis Vuitton bag, like all, I had it all. Nothing changed. And I left and I went home. I just left the happy hour and I went home and I tried to kill myself. Um, I've never left a party in my life. Uh, some of my friends um, thought it was very odd that I would ever leave. They came to my house and they found me. They called 911, did that whole spiel, ended up in the psych ward, scariest fucking place I've ever been in my life. Um, and w- when I ended up getting out of there, I just didn't give a fuck anymore because I didn't know what else to do. Alcohol and drugs weren't working. I thought like if I made a bunch of money and had all the stuff, I would be happy. Like what's the point in living? Um, so I just didn't care. Everything escalated and, um, it was Halloween and (laughs) I promised myself, this is like our fucked up alcoholic addict thinking. I was like, I'm not really like an alcoholic and an addict. Um, if I really was, I would like go out tonight because it's like Halloween, one of the biggest party nights of the year. So I just drugged myself. So I was unconscious. So I literally like couldn't go out. And uh, the next day I went out and everyone had done like all the coke in the city. (laughs) I couldn't find anything. And um, my uh, friends were all looking for some, couldn't find any. And this was back when you could smoke in bars that like super ages me. Um, And I went to grab a cigarette out of my purse and I found coke in my purse that I had forgotten about. And so I go into the bathroom with one of my friends. She throws it down on a wallet. I roll up a bill and go down to do the line. And she's like, wait for stats, something like that. And I look at her and she looks like she's seen a ghost. And 
uh, I'm like, dude, it's cool. We're in this like gross dive bar. Like, I'm like, I know the owners, you know, like, don't worry about it. And she's like, no, and she's staring at me. And I'm like, what? She's like your rosary bracelet. The one from that you got in Mexico. She's like, right about right when you were going to do the line, it just fell off your wrist. And she's like, you know, there's no, you're, you're wearing short sleeves. It didn't get caught on anything. You know, you know, you have a problem. You couldn't find any Coke tonight. You know, like all that. She's like, this is so fucking crazy. And I look on the floor of this like nasty dive bar, which was like my second home. And the rosary bracelet is like sitting there and, you know, on the floor. And she's like, oh my God, this is like insane. This is insane. So I pick up the rosary bracelet and I put it in my back pocket and I go back to doing mines. It didn't even faze me. Didn't even cross my mind. Because for for me, when you put drugs or alcohol in front of me, the word no doesn't even exist in my vocabulary. It's not even like I'm incapable of this thought. Like, it's like, you could tell me, I could literally tell you 5,000 reasons why I should not do this. And then if you put a plate of cocaine in front of me, I literally cannot say no. Like, and I'm a very strong person and I could not understand why I just couldn't, I couldn't figure this out. And, um, so anyway, uh, went to sleep that night. Like I always did making my crazy concoctions, hoping that I would die and not wake up the next day because I was too chicken shit to kill myself. Um, I woke up the next day sobbing per, per usual. And I remembered the rosary bracelet. So I go to my jeans and I grab the rosary bracelet and I had like 10 thoughts at once. It was like, you know, everyone talks about like that moment of clarity. Mine was, I think, a little bit different than, than some others, but it was like, I have no idea what's going on with my life. I have no idea what's going on with my company. I have no real friends. They're just all drug addicts. I haven't talked to my family in months. I'm barely alive. I have no idea how like my body is functioning. I'm going through money like toilet paper right? Like my life is in shambles. And then I just had this like moment of clarity and it was the most clearest thing I've ever seen in my life. And it was like, you are going to die in the next 30 days. It's either going to be of an overdose or you're going to put a gun in your mouth. And like, I always knew what I was doing was risky, you know, like all of us, you know, it's like, we do stupid shit, but we're like, yeah, we're not going to die. And this was like, I saw it, what was going to happen. And I was like, this is how I'm going to die. And it's going to be in the next 30 days. Holy shit. And here's the thing. You know, I didn't want to live, right? Because I did, I was stuck in this hamster wheel that I couldn't get out of every day. I'm not going to do it. And then, you know, somehow I'm doing it again. And I'm in my concoction. And I'm waking up crying. And, and I couldn't stop this, like, for years. And but there was this tiny part of me that didn't want to die. Right. It's like when I had to face that, like, no, bro, you're fucking dying in the next 30 days. I was just like, holy shit. I don't know if I'm ready for that. Right. Even though like 99% of me wanted to. Um, so 
I called up the only person that I knew. It was my buddy that had gotten out of rehab like four days prior. And I was like, bro, I have to get sober. Like I have to get sober today. And he's like, you got to go to rehab. I'm like, I can't. I'm like super important. I have like my company and blah, blah, blah and all this shit. And I can't do that. You know, like all the excuses. And he's like, okay, then I'm going to take you to, to an AA meeting. I had no idea what it was. He took me to my first AA meeting and I listened and I fucking sobbed, sobbed the whole time because it was the first time in my life I was like, oh my God, I am not fucking crazy. There are people that literally think the exact same way that I do that do the exact same things that I do that justify their behavior that are stuck in the same wheel as I am. And it was literally, I literally thought everyone else in the world had it together. And I was the only one that was like this mental basket case, like trying to fake it, like trying to like, how is everyone else functioning? But I can't. And that was the first day that I got sober. And I was so scared of dying because I knew I was going to die. Like, before I knew I was going to, but I was, like, guaranteed, like, I was going to die. So I literally did what everyone told me to do. People, like, today ask me, like, have you been sober for such a long time, all this? I do what people fucking tell me to do in the program. Like, that's it. They said, don't go to the bars that you went out to. Don't hang out with the people that you used to hang out with. Don't fucking talk to them. Don't call them. Don't text message them. You know, like nothing. If they call you, don't answer. You know, all this stuff, right? Like I did it all. Like there, were, I didn't fuck around. They said, get a sponsor. I was like, okay. My sponsor told me to do shit. I did it right away because I was like, okay, I'm fucking desperate. I know what I'm doing. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And I think that's the reason like why I've been like able to stay sober is because look, when I... When I make choices, life does not go well, okay? (laughs) We've tried that. I've done a lot of experimenting. It does not go well, right? When I'm in charge of my life, I get to really shitty places. So for me, like, I need to consult people uh, all the time, all the time. And I do it still in my life today, right? Whether it's in my personal life, right? Like, raising my kids, or it's uh, in my business life. Like I consult everyone on everything because I have this massive ego that thinks I'm the shit, that thinks I'm better than everyone else. And then the next moment tells me I'm fucking worthless, right? My brain's crazy. I can't trust this shit. And the one thing that I know about my brain, it will justify anything, anything, right? Why should go out and like go you know, get super fucked up and like, why should not, right? Like why I'll wake up in the morning and be like, I got to be on a diet. I'm going to be salads all the way for the next month. That same brain is telling me I'm going to have ice cream for dinner. Shit can't be trusted. I cannot be trusted, right? So I, I dove in and I hit it hard. And let me tell you, getting sober when you are young is not fun because Talk about fucking FOMO, okay? When you are a kid, because uh, I was, I, I, I mean, I might have been 24 and legally an adult, but I was definitely a child. Um, 
I went in with both feet. I made all new friends. Everyone, uh, all my friends were young, sober people. That was it. I didn't talk to anyone else. I didn't hang out with anyone else. And if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be sober today. Um, what's, I think what's sad is most of them are not sober today. You know, there's probably a group of like 40 some of us. And I think that there's three of us that are still sober. Um, and obviously we were all hardcore, you know, <laughs> you're getting sober young. It's not cause your life's going well. Um, and, uh, I think it's for the, for us that have stayed sober, we still go to meetings all the time. We still have a sponsor. We have sponsees, you know, we do what works and what's taught and was, it's very, very fucking simple. Um, and we don't, we don't veer from it. Right. Um, cause I think, you know, there's a saying like the more time you have, the closer you are to your next drink scares the fucking shit out of me because I have such an amazing life today. Today I'm like married to like the most amazing human being ever. I have two kids. I have a company that's crazy successful and I'm fucking happy. Like so happy. Like I wake up and I'm like, even on like my shitty days, right? Like so much better than the other days, you know, like my best day using. And I don't want to lose that. I know what it's like on the other end. Like I love sitting, like I, I remember, you know, so many times, like whenever I hear like newcomers and they, they talk about like, you know, how they can't even look at themselves in the mirror and they're so fucking ashamed and, you know, all these horrible feelings. That's the shit I need to hear because life's real fucking good. And my crazy ass brain can just flip one day and be like, you know, maybe I'll have a glass of wine, right? Like I go to like a school function for like my little kids. Everyone's fucking drinking, you know? And everyone's like asking me, like, why can't, why can't I um, you know, like have a glass of wine. And I'm like, I don't drink. I'm sober. Really? Oh yeah. yeah. I've been sober for a long time. Right. Oh, well then you can just have one drink. Right. Like, you know, if you've been sober for that long, you don't really have a problem. Um, but you know, I know that's a fucking load of shit because, you know, I don't, I don't do this whole, like have a glass of wine or two. I'm like, party hard, get super fucked up, and then five days later, wake up in a hotel room in Vegas. How the fuck did I get here, right? And who cares anyway? Let's just party harder, right? That's like my style, and I just, I just have too much to give up. And I think the biggest piece for me is doing the steps in higher power, right? Like, I grew up atheist because I was like, fuck you, God, right? Like, all the shit that happened to me as a little kid, like, all this stuff, like, there is no God. I can tell you, undoubtedly, there's a higher power for sure. Save my life. Save my fucking life. And I think, uh, you know, you just have to realize that you don't have control over anything and that you're really bad at making fucking decisions, Obviously, the proof is in the pudding. 
and that you uh, should probably take recommendations from other people that have good lives and that used to be like you and somehow like figured it out. Um, you know, I went from basically being this like cokehead crackhead to doing everything that everyone told me to do in the program, going to meetings every fucking day, only hanging out with sober people and then getting my life back together. A few years later, I was named uh, Seattle's most eligible bachelorette, which was fucking crazy, right? And like, and let me tell you, I think that was like four, actually four or five years into sobriety when that happened. Parts of getting sober are not easy, right? But the one thing I know is I have never, ever, ever fucking met someone that regrets getting sober but i have met a million fucking people that regret relapsing and going back out right um and it doesn't make sense to me still today because i look at my life and it's like it's insane right like i get to i get to travel i get to do cool shit i get to you know go out to nice dinners with my husband you know we get to like do fun stuff with our kids. Like I literally have the dream life that I never thought I could have. And it's all because of AA and this program. And I literally thought like my first, like several years of getting sober every day, I'm like, I'm never going to have all that shit. I'm never going to have all that shit. I'm never going to have all that shit. And those tiny little minuscule minute changes in every day that you continue to have sober it adds up. It doesn't seem like in the moment. Trust me. I've fucking been there. I have been there where, you know, I'm like, you know, six months sober, a year sober, crying. My life's still shit. Well, fuck your shit. Okay. You like fucking ruined it. And you spent many years sabotaging it. It doesn't just like all come together just, you know, in like two months, right? You have to put in the work, but at the end of the day, it's worth it. And that's just like, I love hearing newcomers. I will always, hopefully, God willing, continue to go to meetings. I want to talk to them. I want to hear their stories. They're the most important people in the meeting to me because it reminds me of like where I came from and seeing the pain that they're in and seeing how bad it is reminds me, right, of like fucking socks, don't want to go back there. And then hopefully me going back to the meetings and talking about my story of they're like, bro, she has like the sickest life ever. Right. She gets to do all these amazing things and blah, blah, blah. And like, I'm like this, like Hispanic kid that grew up with nothing. I should not have the life that I have today. Somehow I do. And it's because of this program. So, and my higher power, I can talk to him all the time. And that's the other thing I'm rambling, but I think this is important and then I'll shut up prayers. My prayers sometimes are like, bro, fuck. Got me. Cool. Your prayers can be anything, whatever the fuck you want. And that's like, literally those are like my prayers half the time. Right. And like, he knows, she knows whatever they know. I don't need to explain it. Right? Like, I don't need to detail it out. Like, they already know. We're on the same page. A, you know, a higher power of my understanding. He fucking understands me. She understands me, right? We don't need to, like, 
spell it all out. I think if that's your relationship with your higher power, you got to spell it out. But my higher power, fuck you, okay? Like, that's just how we are. So I think, you know, really, I know a lot of people have a problem with the God thing, and I did too, but that's just how kind of I, I, my, my higher power is we have an understanding and just create it to be whatever you want and it'll save your ass. So, yeah. (laughs) Thanks so much, Sam. That's awesome. Yeah. Every time I hear you, I'm just, I get goosebumps. So I really appreciate it. And look at where you are today. I mean, what really shocks me is just like seeing, I can physically see the hope that is in front of me when you just stick with the program and put in the work. Um, and I honestly, like, I didn't believe it. I would hear people come in and they'd be like, hi, my name's so-and-so and and I'm a grateful alcoholic. And I wanted to be like, shut the fuck up. Like no one is a grateful (laughs) addict alcoholic. (laughs) But it's because you get these tools and all of a sudden you're healing, you're healing that deep hole that you were trying to fill for so long. And I was explaining to someone the other day, I think of alcoholism as a disease of the soul. Like it's literally just stripping your soul of anything, no matter what you put into it, no matter what car, the Jimmy choose, the boyfriend, the what, doesn't matter. Um, and you know, I had everything too. I had the apartment, the boyfriend, the this, the that. And it was just like, I hated myself. And it's because you can't love yourself when you're just, you know, you have that black, dark soul. So I can't thank you enough for showing up and Gosh, just hearing your story every time, I can remember myself in the Shake Shack being like, I, my life <laughs> like, what? And there's just cheese running down my face anyway. So it <laughs> can be seen. But um, yeah, I, I just, I want to ask you some questions. This is, this is the first episode ever. So I'm- Yes, ask away. No one has any idea what sobriety is about. And I think you and I- alcoholics and addicts come in various shapes and forms and you and I are kind of on the extreme side of of what it looks like when you come in so I just wanted to know like you know you were literally facing the door of death when you came in here and do you have any advice for people who think they quote-unquote might have a problem or are sober curious um, and have like one foot in one foot out but they're obviously not dying and think that they can manage it do you think that they do you have any advice yeah one quit fucking lying to yourself (laughs) usually if you think like you might have a problem it's because you have a fucking problem okay like normal people like I look at like you know for example like my husband right he's like never fat he was like an alcoholic it's really funny because he's actually Israeli and when I I after we were dating for a while you know I told him I was like look I I don't drink and he's like yeah I know I was trying to tell him you know like like you know, tell him about like my whole alcoholism thing. And, and I was like, no, I don't drink because I have a problem. And he's like, what? Uh, what do you mean? And I was like, yeah, I'm an alcoholic. And he's like, what's that? And I was like, you know, someone like that drinks to excess. And he's like, like an American. And I was like, no, it's like, way, it's like more extreme. Than that. It's like more. <laughs> yeah. But like, usually in my experience, people that like normal people, you know, they just, they aren't, they don't drink for the effect, right? Like I have normie friends and, you know, like we might like all go out to dinner or something like that. Right. And one or two of them might like have a drink, you know, and they might drink half their glass of wine and be like, Whoa, 
I'm catching a buzz, need to slow down. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Right? Like if you leave dinner and you see people have not finished their drinks and that bothers you and you want to like drink their drinks, right? Because you think they're wasting out, you have a problem, right? I think it's, yeah, I mean, I, I just quit being in denial. Look, the one thing that I hear so many people say is I wish I got sober younger, right? And everyone has their path and everyone has their journey, but like, stop lying to yourself, you know? Like, if you can, I have the life that I have today because I got sober young, right? And it is the most amazing blessing ever. I am like one of those grateful alcoholics that, you know, like you talk about, like people, you know, they, they look at my life today and they're like, oh, you must be so, you know, grateful for like this or this, you know? Um, and the thing that I'm most grateful for more than anything is the fact that I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict because it changed my life. It taught me, I didn't know how to fucking pay bills. Right? Like, I didn't, I wouldn't answer my phone because it was all bill collectors. Like, I was under so much stress and anxiety. Like, I have no idea how I function. But I think the biggest thing is, like, stop lying to yourself, you know, and, like, get in there and, and be willing. Because, look, there's two, oof, this is good. This is a good one. There are two ways to live life as an alcoholic. One is, if you're lucky, if you're fucking lucky, you will die quick. You will die quick. You will die when you're fucking young. You'll overdose, you get in a car accident, whatever, if you're lucky. If you're not, you will have the lowest, the slowest, most miserable, fucking drawn out death that will last 40, 50, 60 years where you will just hate yourself and hate your life. And every day that you wake up, you will just little piece of you will die and you'll hate yourself even more. So, or you can get fucking sober, right? Those are your options. So, <laughs> I love it. I love it. And it's, you know, exactly. You don't have to be on the brink of death to want to shift your life and, you know, stop hating yourself. It's all about what's inside, not about the external stuff. So yeah, a lot of people think, you know, like an alcoholic or a drug addict is like you're under a bridge with a brown paper bag and a needle like hanging out of your fucking arm, right? Like, no, your bottom is like whenever you stop digging, right? Like, I know some super wealthy people that come in and they still have, you know, like their life intact, but they're spiritually broken and hate themselves and hate their lives, right? And can't look in the mirror. So it's it's all... Don't compare yourself to anyone else. It's just like, it's how you feel. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's touch on that spiritual aspect for a second. I know for me, when I came in, I just associated my higher power as like, girl, you're not dead yet. You're somehow still on this planet. So something somewhere is looking out for you and like, you're here. Like it's a miracle. Um, for those of you who don't know, I was on the brink of death, had suicidal ideation and just, you know, got sober. So for people who come in, they're like, what's God? Do I have to be religious? Do you have any tips on how to just start the process on how to begin digging towards your spirituality? Yeah. So, you know, I tried to kill myself a bunch of times, right? Uh, obviously, I talked about my little stint there in the psych ward. 
Um, for me, when I say for years, I hated God, like I hated him. I hated him. But here's like the one thing about hate. Like if you hate God, that's admitting that he exists. Right? <laughs> okay. Right. So you're admitting that they exist. So the, the whole, the whole piece with that is it can be anything, right? Like it can be, you know, a tree, it can be a person in the sky. It can be like the whole idea, higher power to your understanding, which I, I, I personally, the word God does not bother me at all. I oftentimes I will say higher power, higher power, because the word God freaks people out. Right. And to me, it's like, there's uh, so many people have like a negative, like connotation with that word. So I just say higher power HP. Um, and you, you just, you fucking fake it till you make it. Right. And you know, if it's like you pray to your TV, like whatever it is, then like, that's what you fucking do. And it evolves and it, and it, and it grows and it gets different. And, you know, like I said, it's to your, you know, higher powers to your understanding. Like I talked about, like how I pray. Sometimes those are my prayers. Sometimes they're a little more detailed out. Right. But it's, you just fake it till you make it. Right. And you're like, I'm going to give this a chance. I'm going to give this a shot. And, and you go all in. Right. And then you start getting what, you know, kind of, we all refer to as like God shots, something, something happened. Like you start getting these, these, you know, kind of pieces of proof, if you will, that there is something there that does have your back. And, and that's pretty special, right. When you start seeing those, which I think helps build, you know, kind of this belief in that higher power HP. So, but if you don't want to call it God, don't call it God, call it whatever the fuck you want and, and, and just write it out until you get there and you will get there. Some people, you know, it's like they come in right away and it's fine. And, you know, some people it it takes years, but we all have our own process and we all get there in our own time. I love it. I love it. Well, thanks. Um, you talked about how sobriety was pretty lame when you were 24 and got sober. So I wanted to touch back on that. I got sober at 24 and it was definitely an adjustment, but I want to, I want to showcase to people that you can still find happiness and you can still find fun. It just shifts. Yes. You're not doing yes. bags of Coke. And yes. Buddies. So you want to, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I didn't mean like lame, like you know, like my life sucked. Right. Like I meant like lame as I was obsessed with being cool. I was obsessed with like doing cool shit. Like I would watch movies and see people like partying and doing cocaine. And I would be like, Oh my God, that is so cool. I want to be them. Right. Like my brain isn't normal. (laughs) So I think like for me, you know, I hung out with my sober friends every fucking night. Every fucking night, we would go to meetings, we would chain smoke cigarettes, we would, you know, sit in Red Robin and eat like endless fries because we were all broke, you know, like just shit like that. Uh, Little Caesars hot and ready's for like $5, large cheese pizza, you know, like we didn't have money, but we all like stuck together. And the thing is, is like, we, I have never in my life fucking laughed so hard. We had no money, right? we bumped cigarettes off each other with whoever like actually had money to buy cigarettes. We, but we had each other. 
And that was like an unbreakable bond. Even some of the people, you know, that's like went out and have relapsed. I still talk to them. You know, we're still connected on Facebook. Like sometimes they'll come into, I live in San Francisco. Sometimes they'll come into town and, you know, we'll still like chat and meet up and like say what's up and, and hang out. And there was a bond there that no one else will understand. Right. And because we had the best times and the times that were not fake, they weren't fueled by alcohol. They weren't fueled by drugs. And here's the thing, what I loved about getting sober and getting young, like being young is we all accepted each other for just who we were. Right. We had nothing to give. Right. Like, it's not like we were driving cool cars. It's not like we were buying each other, like, like, lavish shit or, like, you know, doing any of that stuff. Like, we would go over to, like, someone's house and just sit in their basement until, like, 3 or 4 a.m. playing video games, right? Or, you know, just, like, laughing, telling stories or going bowling or going to watch a movie or whatever. And we were always with each other because some of us just didn't want to be alone because we were scared we were going to go back out. And I will tell you, those years of the beginning of my sobriety were some of the best years of my life, right? When I literally had nothing, but the relationships that we had and the amount of like fun that we had that wasn't like fueled by anything else. And we just needed each other, right? And I think for a lot of us, it was like the first time we felt part of and we felt like we fit in and we felt like we were wanted just for us, right? Like nothing else. So I don't, I don't want you guys to think like, oh, you get like sober and life's like, like fucking lame. No, 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 no. You know, it can be hard at times, but it is fucking beautiful. And you will go back and be like, that was some good shit. Because it, I think the other thing too, it's like the first time in your life that you will form relationships with people where it has, it's not transactional, Right. Like literally, you don't have anything to give to them. They don't have anything to take from you, right? Like, and it's just, they just want to be there because they think you're fucking awesome, right? Like not because you're going to buy them shit or you're, you're quote unquote someone or anything like that. They just, they just like you because of you. And that is truly a beautiful and amazing, amazing feeling, I think. And that I think for so long, kind of like when I had talked about like not fitting in and not being a part of, you know, and always like obsessed in high school of trying to be cool, you know, that was that early sobriety crew and they know who they are. Like that was my family, mm -hmm. right? Like we were ride or die. Someone was broke. Someone needed help. We like figured it out, right? We were always there for each other and kept each other out of trouble. So, um, yeah, don't think it's don't think it's fucking lame. It might be hard at times, but it's when you have those people. Oh man. Oh, I'm thinking about some of the shit. <laughs> some of the best times of my life, you know? So yeah. Well, a lot of people don't even get that for their whole lives, those real relationships where you take the mask off. You don't have to be anyone but yourself. Cause we didn't really have any other options. It's like, all right, I guess you're gonna take this half-assed human form person who's <laughs> like new into sobriety and take me as I am, you know? Totally. So, out of all the relationships that you get and yeah, the realness of it all is 
it's awesome. I get to sit down and do this with people that I, I love and know. So yes, yes, very grateful. <laughs> well, I, those are the only questions I have for you today. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming on, and I'm so excited. This is season one, episode one. Yeah, I'm so excited for you. I think it's so fucking awesome that you're doing this. And I'm so proud of you because I think actually when you fucking spoke, didn't I say to you, right? I came up after and I was like, that was fucking amazing. And because it's like true, I love all the rawness that you had and just like everything. And it was just, I'm like, this fucking chick's going to make it. Because you remember what we talked about, like before, stop fucking lying to yourself. And you had stopped. (laughs) It was not in a good place. And you were willing to share that and be honest. And, you know, it's our secrets that fuck us up. And so it was like, literally, like, it was so open and transparent. And it was like, literally, like one of the best shares I've ever heard. So. (laughs) Yes, I remember that day very vividly. Um, it was super raw and super emotional, just like how early sobriety is for everyone. But, you know, I showed up as my authentic self and I hope that everyone that comes on this show can show up like that as well. You know, just being their total authentic being to share their experience, strength and hope. And that's exactly what you did today. And I I cannot thank you enough. I know this is going to help so many people and I'm so grateful. So amazing. You're an amazing woman. And thank you again. All right, everyone. Well, that wraps up season one, episode one. Super exciting. Next week, I'll have another alcoholic, maybe alcoholic slash addict, if we're lucky. (laughs) Double down. And I'm so excited that this is actually happening. And I can't wait to see what other women have to share on this platform. All right, guys, I'll see you next week. that all names are changed to keep anonymity. I am not a medical or health professional. These are only other people's experiences with addiction and recovery.